on occasions, Pastor would, uh, Dallas would get together with me, I with he, and we'd talk about church and how you do ministry and how you get from one level to the other, and we have fellowship, and so I uh, ministered there in Georgia to the church that he and Holly served prior to coming here, then ministered to his men's group, and we traveled together to conference, and I wish I had his energy. Can I get a witness? I mean, Lord, if you're not going to make me tall as Dallas, give me some strength as Dallas. But I really, I'm, I'm just delighted to be with you. I know that your pastor has a number of friends, could make other choices, but we have created a sense of camaraderie, and I'm just here to let the Lord use me so all of us can be blessed together. Amen. I, uh, I just, I'm just going to note here, as I, as I was uh, preparing this lesson, I thought to myself, I'm probably going to say to this congregation stuff they already know, but I really felt like I should highlight uh, your leadership, meaning your pastor and his wife. People like Dallas and Holly are in demand all over as far as church leaders. I know that because I've served on numbers of committees, numbers of appointment uh, situations. No, I know it because of, I've been at the church that I semi-retired from, 33 years, and I looked for people like that to be on staff who would actually work, you know, I mean, actually come to work and uh, look like they liked it. So uh, I have seen him. I've seen him grow a church. You have too. And I really believe, and you know this, and you appreciate them for this. Number one, uh, they're genuine, the real deal. Uh, Dale and I was speaking prior to coming out about how transparent he is. You know, it's good for a pastor to say we live in the same world. I go through pain. I have problem raising kids. I can't, you know, I can't always uh, take care of the financial need like I want to, but I trust God. It's good for, for the pastor and his wife to say, you know, we don't always feel well in our body. And that, by that I mean he's genuine and they're real. And I appreciate them for that. I believe also that they're consistent. Uh, a lot of pastors in the years gone by and sometimes now, they will uh, stay at a church for a little while see another opportunity someplace else and take that step and, and, and nothing wrong with taking advantage of good opportunities but when you use the kingdom to promote yourself it's usually uh, something that doesn't work out well but here he is and I mean you all are in three locations since the last time I came reminds me of the church that's named Church on the Move you guys ought to get your sign out there till you get a permanent place it says Church on the Move as Dale told me, this church here, which is lovely, moved 20 times before, you know, before they got established. But God opened the door every time. But I say that about Dale and Holly, and I mean it consistent and genuine. Uh, I have seen them not chasing after the glitter and the glamour of ministry. You know, I mean, they're not chasing after uh, some particular name or organization or their own uh, place in the kingdom so that everybody can come and... Uh, herald them. They're just, they're just, wherever God plants me, I'm going to grow. Amen? And of them, I, I say that gladly. Uh, I, I want to thank you for loving them. They say that. Can I get an amen? If they have an enemy, uh, I don't think they know it. If they told me, I'd tell you. So, uh, <laughs> but they never told me that. They've told me how receptive you are, how patient you are. 
And boy, I'm telling you, we all need a Moses to have an Aaron and a Hur. Remember that account in the Bible, the Old Testament, the battle being fought in the valley, and Joshua's leading all the warriors, and whenever Moses raises his hands, you, you remember that, the battle will go in favor of the Israelites. Whenever he put them down, the battle will go in favor of the enemy. But here comes Aaron and Hur. That's what you are. Can I get an amen? You are an encourager, and so are they to you, I know. And so when he told me that he was going to take a little time away, he told me that you, the church, are receptive of their well-being. I said, praise the Lord. He said the church is receptive of us getting away a little time, and uh, you have reasons why you get away, and I think it's good that you do. But with the COVID-19, and then, of course, with your three recent moves, and uh, other kinds of challenges that come for pastors, physical condition, family condition. I, just, I say this genuinely, okay? I, I didn't come up here. I'm going to be blunt. I didn't come up here to kiss up to anybody. I just, <laughs> I, I'm just here to tell you that your pastor loves you, and you love him back, and he feels it. Go ahead and give the Lord thanks for that. Yeah. And you know, Pastor, in all these years I have, whenever the church uh, blessed Valerie's, my wife, for 41 years, uh, us, by releasing us and celebrating us to take a few weeks or so off, we always came back better. I, we Actually, brothers and sisters, I wanted to come back sooner because I missed the church. I, Don't do it, Dallas. Stay away. <laughs> But I, I celebrate them. And let me tell you something else. Dallas having me come and preach for him. I know you don't know, need a preacher because he's a preacher. Can I get an amen? He's a preacher. And so that's not what I came after to, to take his place. But I did come to honor his invitation and to thank God for the privilege of being with you. I genuinely appreciate you allowing me to be here. And I want to, I want to uh, say to you, as we say in Georgia, as every church ought to say, in this COVID-19, these are not the good days, but a better day is coming. A better day is coming. Amen? A better day, not just for your church, brothers and sisters. A better day for all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but, I, but our lives have been changed. I have been fortunate to travel quite a bit in a ministry in, in Atlanta, we're told Atlanta Airport is the busiest airport in the world. And if you don't believe that, try going through it when everything is regular. I came through it, Dale, faster than I ever have. Came in, got through security, got on the train, got to the airplane. You know, uh, I'm amazed. Now, that's something I'd like to keep all the time, but <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Can't go into restaurants, or you elect not to go into restaurants. I mean, no, that's up to you, and that's okay. Amen? Uh, I hadn't got to my sermon yet. This is introduction. Uh, <laughs> I looked at, I like the Atlanta Braves. Not always when they're winning. I like them when they're losing. Forget them. Uh, but I, I like them. And so prior to coming here, I was, you know, uh, getting my things together at the hotel. And they were on there. Have you noticed in these baseball games since they came back in season that uh, behind home plate, they have cut out cardboard-like images, you know, and they're paying, playing the music when the fella, the, the crowd, when the fella gets a hit or is an out. 
And I'm thinking, do whatever you got to do to get through this. You know, because they're not hurting anybody. But sometimes you just, hey, sometimes you just got to make yourself laugh. Everybody else is laughing at you. Why don't you just join them? I want to ask you to stand for the word, would you please? I'm going to a chapter in the book of Psalm that is the most familiar chapter in the book of Psalm for every Christian, I think. I didn't say it's the best. I just said it's the most familiar. For me, it's the best. Psalm 23. I'm going to look at Psalm 23 with you, sort of break it down a little bit because it tells us about confidence in times of crisis. Confidence in times of crisis. I know I can use a little more confidence along the way, whether there's a crisis or not. So this psalm uh, is, is a psalm that's used in many occasions, all occasions. Used at weddings, at funerals, at baby dedications, at, at uh, celebrating the uh, opening of a new facility for the church. This psalm is used at occasions where there's baptisms all over. And this psalm is used on occasion when you buy yourself and you don't know where else to turn to get a word. Amen. So we're going to read it together uh, on, on the count of three, and we'll just read it out loud, and uh, I'll get a little assistance here, and we'll go, okay? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Stretch your hands before you see it in my direction. Would you pray for me? I really need for you to do that, and I'll pray for you. Father, it's not by accident we are here today in this lovely church with the people of God. What lovely music, what wonderful singing, God. It lifts our spirit. Come and dwell upon us with the word. I'm not here, God, to tell people something that they don't already know, but you can. I'm not here, God, to perform a show or do an act. We need you today. We need confidence in crisis. So I pray that you'd grant it to us, God. Release your wisdom. Release your Holy Ghost. Release your fire. And release your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, Along this way, looking at this psalm, I was tempted to just take a verse or two and just build on it and stay there because every verse in this Psalm 23 is worthy of one Bible study because it's such a life-changing and comforting psalm. But I'm going to try to, to look at each verse and not tarry there, but perhaps it will build us up in this time of crisis, and perhaps we could share it with somebody else. I'll get right into it. Verse... Number one, the theme with verse number one is that he, the good shepherd who is Jesus, knows me. Amen? And the psalmist said it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, in the secular world, in the business world, there are many advertisements 
that represent the company that desires to be known. And one of the ways that companies attempt to win our business is by telling us they want us to have a personal relationship with them. In other words, the banker will say to you or to me, and there's not, nothing wrong with it, not slamming them, but we want to be your personal banker. And you miss one house payment, you'll find a personal. Anyhow, just, just moving on. We want to be, uh, somebody says, well, you know, I want to get in shape physically. And, and those who you search out for a coach will say, I want to be your personal coach. Or I want to be your personal trainer getting you healthy. You're taking a trip or you like to travel and you inquire of a travel agency in order to build a relationship with you. They say, we want to be your personal tour guide, personal therapist. And so along those thoughts, the, the context is if, we, if you are in a relationship with us and I'm your personal banker, I'm going to be to you a little bit more personal than I will with just a general crowd. I'm going to be with you a little more time and a little more investment because we're entering into a relationship. Well, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what he was saying here is the Lord is everybody's shepherd. And the Hebrews always talked about God as far as the God of everybody in the sense that God is our shepherd. And it was quite rare for somebody to say that the Lord is my shepherd because it looked like they were hoarding the Lord. I mean, there's enough Lord around, meaning Jesus, to go around to everybody. And, and so he says, meaning uh, the sense of uh, he is personally my Savior. He is personally my healer. He is personally my deliverer. How many know that sometimes your stuff in your life is different from somebody else's? You don't need a generic healer. You need a personal right now healer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I already like y'all helping me like this. We're liable to stay here till we go to the next location. <laughs> it ain't that good, is it? <laughs> How about the, the, in Luke chapter 15, we, we understand what this means to have a personal shepherd. In Luke 15, verses 3 to 7, there is the parable of the lost sheep, and you, you remember that. But let me offer a thought or two from that parable. Jesus says, which one of you, having a flock of sheep with 100 sheep in it, at the end of the day when you return to corral your sheep and you count them as they go into that place where they're being corralled, as you count them all, you notice that there are 99 sheep, but you have 100. Jesus said what you would do, a good shepherd would do, is to leave the 99 in the care of someone else he trusts. And go into the evening and eventually the night and walking, retracing his steps where the sheep pasture, listening for the sound of that lost sheep. And Jesus said when he finds that sheep, 
he puts him across his shoulder and walks all the way back to the farm and puts him in the foal. And where there was once 99, there is now 100. And he calls his friends in and celebrates because this is a sheep that was lost and I found him and he's back home. I don't know about you, but I've been lost a bunch of times. I thought I knew my way, but the good shepherd said, I want to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Here's another thought. He knows me because a flock can be either small or large. Can I get a witness? A flock can consist of 10 sheep or hundreds of sheep. And so the Bible says that the shepherd is so personal to the sheep and builds a relationship to the sheep that the sheep know his voice. Amen. In occasions, shepherds would come together in the middle of the day and they would cause their sheep, their flock, to lay down and rest, maybe by a place of water and etc. And they themselves may have a lunch. And then it would come time again for them to take their sheep to another place to graze, etc. And while the sheep during lunch mingled among themselves, when it came time for the shepherds to go different route, one left and one right, the respective shepherds would raise his voice and the sheep knew his voice so well until they didn't go to the wrong shepherd that was leading the other flock. They went to the shepherd whose voice they know day by day, hour by hour, night by night. There are a lot of sounds in this world calling at us. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of ways that are calling at us. And there's a lot of compromise that is calling with us. But we never lose the sound of the voice of the good shepherd where we need him. And where he leads us, we will follow. Amen. My sheep know my voice. Amen. It's like a mother. She may, her kids may be in the playground with other kids. But when it comes time to go home, that little child of hers may have mingled with other children and don't really know uh, where her mom is or his mom is. But you let mom raise your voice. Sometimes in sweet tones. Sometimes in the tone of, you better get here, boy, if I kill you. Those turns work too. <laughs> but they know his voice. Here's another thought. Look at this, under he knows me. The Lord not only knows me, but he cares for me. The psalmist said he cares for me because I shall not want. What it really means in the, in the interpretation of the Hebrew, which of course you already know is the original language uh, of the uh, particular Old Testament text here. When it says, I shall not want, it means I shall not lack. Amen? Now, you've heard this before, but let me just reiterate. It helps me to say it. We have this issue, this battle going on in our lives. I want this, but I, and I need this. I want this, and I need this. The good shepherd said, and David said, I shall not lack. Just because I want it doesn't mean it's good for me. Say amen, I'll do it all by myself. Amen. 
Then you in raising children, they wanted this, but they were not able to handle a knife for a kid, or they were not able to handle a certain kind of a, uh, something more adult-oriented. They would get there eventually. So, so whatever your needs are, pray, pray for it. Ask God to help you and pray for your wants also and say to God, as David said, if my wants are going to bless the kingdom, if my wants are going to bless somebody else, if my wants are not going to make me somebody who think I'm better than somebody else, if my wants are what you want for me, then I will be done. Amen? Here's a second major thought from Psalm. He knows me. Secondly, he provides for me. Because the Bible says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now get this. Sheep cannot voice their needs. You ever heard a talking sheep? I neither. Sheep cannot voice their needs. So the shepherd has to discern to the best of his ability what the sheep as a group need or what one sheep needs. The Bible says about the good shepherd who is Jesus. He knows what we need before we even ask him. Somebody say amen. I mean, before we know what's coming tomorrow, he's taken care of tomorrow. Because we, we don't even know what's in the path of our children or our grandchildren. We don't know if they're going to lay off folks, and they have because of COVID-19. But he takes care of us when we don't even know how to pray. The Holy Ghost will pray through us, and he can often pray in tongues, and he give us the interpretation because sometimes we don't even know what to say what we need. Like a sheep can't talk, the good shepherd knows. Amen? <laughs> Oh, boy. I've been married 41 years. And Dale said he's been married how long? 44. Uh, I can't get away with nothing. 41 years. Can you? I can't sneak. I can't go at night when she lay down in the bed and give me a little Coca-Cola and one of them little Debbie cakes. It seems like she could hear the crackling of the wrapper and the room is on the other side of the house. When I'm trying to sneak something, I don't think she's in bed. She comes around the corner. Can't get away with nothing. And, and, and I say that to tell you, uh, in your marriage, if you've been married that long, might as well give it up. Here's the cookie, honey. Would you like one? <laughs> because I say that in, in a spirit of jest, but I say that. In a good way, too. My wife knows how to pray for me, but I don't even, I hadn't told her yet. Can I get a witness? You know, my wife knows what's heavy in my heart before, you know. Being, being a pastor for so many years, you had to have a best friend. And she was that. You got a best friend. Married a single. Look, look at this. He said he would lead me in green pastures. Green pastures is a place of satisfaction. It's a place of refreshing. Man, you got to come away sometime. You ever heard somebody say, you know, uh, this spirit of you got to come apart or you'll come apart? You've heard that, haven't you? 
And so all of us need some green pastures where we're just satisfied, we're refreshed. It's what the shepherd does to the sheep. The shepherd will find a place that is restful, that is green, that is inviting. And so the sheep, you know, sheep get spooked easily. If one sheep in the flock gets spooked, it spooks all the rest of them. And so I read this and, and, uh, and I came to appreciate it that when you think about sheep, you think about the fact that uh, they only rest in green pastures when they're full as far as their stomach and when they are sure that there's no fear around them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I can rest good at night if I know I have nothing to fear. Amen, church? I can be in green pastures. I can rest good at night if I know that, that I'm, and with the sheep it has to do with the abdomen, but with you and I, not always, not always that that we need, it's, it's the, that we're full with peace and joy and goodness and mercies and tenderness and kindness. So I say that green pastures refer to those kinds of, here's another thought for that he provides for me. He leads me beside still waters. Still waters represents a place of safety, calm, and refreshing. Shepherds do not allow their sheep to drink from running water, like a creek or river water. Because sheep are so helpless, perhaps more than other animals. They don't sense the danger as readily as some other animals. And in attempting to drink from running river or stream waters, there's a high probability that they will fall into the river. There's also a high probability that their wool will become saturated, lending the possibility of them drowning. So what the shepherd in the culture of the Middle East would do during the days of Christ and still now. They will take the sheep close to a well. And wells back then as they are now are very deep. So as you know, there'll be a rope attached to a bucket. They'll lower that down at the water level. They'll bring a bucket up and then they'll pour it out in sort of a trough-like or a large rock that's uh, hewn out with a basin-like and let the sheep drink the water because of the safety and because of the stillness. Amen? And, and I'm saying to you and I'm saying to, to me that we also need to come to still waters. Where you are right now are still waters. You know what still waters are? Sometimes you just need to turn the TV off. That's still water. I just made that up. You should say amen. I'll keep going. We love our grandkids, but when they leave, that's still waters. And that's what the good shepherd does. Hey, listen, I'm not of this culture, okay? I'm generations behind this culture. They have run off and left me. I went to the, my family and I went to the beach two weeks ago. I love the beach. I'm from the islands. I grew up in Trinidad, 35 miles long is the island. Pardon me, 35 miles wide, 
65 miles long. The beach was the place of entertainment. Love the beach. So we go down to Florida with our family, and uh, we go there, and uh, the kids like it, and, and I like to go ever so often. The older I get, the more I like still waters. I'm thinking this COVID-19 thing, you know, it's going to cause hundreds of people not to be there, perhaps thousands. You know, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, if you don't want us to go there, uh, cause the governor to shut it down. But we already paid our money. So if you didn't shut it down. <laughs> but there were hundreds and thousands of people. You couldn't even hardly get in the ocean. And everybody had their own little box of music that they were so kind to let all the rest of us hear for free. That's not still waters, but they're not sitting by doing that. Not sinning by doing it. Just don't sit by me. Let me show you. Everybody still with me? Say amen. I'm going to go with Georgia time. And then Georgia's 12 o'clock. No, it isn't. It isn't. Here's this. I think it's a bless you. He restores my soul. Everybody on the count of three, say it out loud. One, two, three. He restores my soul. Can you say Amen. Hey, listen, there are several characteristics about a sheep that sets them apart from other animals. I highlighted one or two, but sheep, you've studied this psalm, so you're aware that the sheep are not very bright. They're dumb. They, they're innocent creatures. They're not capable of, of uh, taking care of themselves. I mean, sheep, they keep their head down and they graze, keep grazing, don't look ahead of them and just graze themselves right off the cliff. So, no wonder. Oh, by the way, you know, you know this. Jesus called us sheep. <laughs> Did he? But he had a purpose for that. His purpose is, you need me and I'm there. I'll take you of the cliff. I'll take you of the running water. I'll take you of the wolves. I'll take you of the leopards. I'll take you of the attack. I'll take you because I am your shepherd and you are my sheep. Amen. Look at this. Uh, a cast sheep. Again, uh, perhaps a reminder to you. You're aware of a cast sheep is a sheep who for some reason has uh, found himself on his back and his four legs are sticking up. A cast sheep, therefore, is a sheep for whatever reason found itself there in the several uh, he cannot uh, turn himself back around and stand on his four legs. If left there too long, the, the, the chemicals or whatever there is in his stomach will cause him to suffocate and he'll die. If he stays on his back too long, uh, uh, animals, animals that will be praised will come and destroy him. So, so a cast sheep is one who's very vulnerable, who's very helpless. I don't know about you today, but I'm here to tell you there have been times in my life when I was a cat person. There were times in my life when I couldn't get up. I don't mean just physically. When I couldn't think straight. When I had no joy. I had no song. Thought everybody forsake me. Nothing in the Bible would help me. I was cast and I thought for sure the devil who's going to come and destroy seek it to devour those he finds. Then all of a sudden from nowhere God will send a song or God will send somebody in my life or I'll get an email or a text and when I was cast now the Holy Ghost Turns me upside down and I'm able to go find another cash sheep and help them stand up because if God be for us, who can be against us? Give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. Whatever's got you cast, the Holy Ghost can cast it out.
and he will today. L- l- let me hurry. Uh, l- look at this. Under he straws me, he says, in, in the letter C, all we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I, I think about he restored my soul. You remember Peter denied Jesus? Say amen. I'm sure you do. You remember when Jesus needed a friend the most? He's on his way to the cross. He's going to be inter- interrogated. He's, he's going to be in what's called a kangaroo court because it's not legitimate, not empowered to, to decide what they're going to decide in light of a death sentence. You remember when Jesus, when Peter told Jesus prior to Jesus going to the place of suffering that if all the other disciples forsake you, I'm not going to forsake you? You remember Jesus said to Peter that upon my trial, falsely accused, being bruised and scoffed and whipped, into the early morning hour before the cock crow one time, you're going to deny me three times. And it happened just that way. But you remember when Jesus on the third day rose again? And the Bible says Jesus knew the, the demeanor of Peter because Peter was discouraged. He was wounded. He felt, he felt like uh, he betrayed the Lord so terribly. Jesus wouldn't ever want to be his shepherd again. But one of those who came after the stone was rolled away, one of the angels said to, the, to Mary, one of the, the ones who came to attend the tomb, go tell my disciples and Peter. He restoreth my soul. Amen? Let, let, let me move. Are you all still good with this? L- number four, he guides me. He guides me in the path of righteousness. The Lord, uh, who is a good shepherd and the literal physical shepherd who, who, who tend sheep, he guides his flock to the best feeding grounds. Amen? The best feeding grounds. There are just some things they should not eat. There are some things that will cause them to be diseased. There are some things that would deter their health. And, and let me tell you something, friends. Don't settle for second best when you got the best in Jesus. Amen? Don't settle for a second class best thing when you got a first class God. Say amen, church. I, I'm telling you, if you let the Holy Ghost lead you, if I let the Holy Ghost lead me, he'll show me what time with God. You, you don't need to make a too quick decision. You don't need to delay it too fast. With God, he will show you the right time, the right works, the right place, because he is more interested in you than you are yourself. Let me show you something else. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end is the way of death. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And so in your and my prayer, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean we should be doing it. Just because everybody else is going there. And I say that with, with, with all my a sense of uh, what should I say? Uh, being earnest. Because the devil is like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. And he comes dressed like a lamb. And you and I got to say, I, I got to be sure that I'm on the path of righteousness because God blesses obedience. Here's another thought. God is dependable and faithful. Amen? Dependable and faithful. And so if we're left to guide ourselves, we'll go astray. 
But when he leads us and we follow, we won't. Hastily, number five, he protects me. And, and he says here in the scripture that we've used a lot, and I've used it for my life and others, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Say amen. The valley of the shadow, that I'll tell you this. All of us will walk there at some point in our lives. Give me a witness. Some people are walking there right as you and I sit here. It's called COVID-19. And the, God, the Word of God says, the valley of the shadow that is, is the kind of place where there are deep ravines, slippery footage, sharp cliffs. And the Word of God says that, that this is a dark place. And there's, there's a time, I, I don't have to tell, to tell the account, all of you have a testimony. There are times in my life when, when actually I thought I would stay in the valley of the shadow of death. I, I don't mean crude by this, I'm just being real, okay. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been to hell and back, but I have. I have a story and a testimony, but I'm not just saying that because I want to invite your attention. Some of you, if you haven't been there, you've helped somebody through there. Give me a witness. Amen? And, and I'm telling you that to say that God leads us through the valley of shadow of death. He don't leave us there. You know why God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he wants to take us to a better destination. Amen? He wants to take us to another place. And sometimes we remember that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, there's a, there's a good Friday, and they killed him and put him on the cross, but then came Sunday morning. So, so let, let me tell you this real quick. Uh, I think that uh, here's another thought, number six, and, and I'm moving here, and soon I'll close, and and I'm a Pentecostal preacher. And when you tell Pentecostal preachers tell you they're going to close their line. The, I usually close five times. This will be my first. Yeah, we don't know when to shut up, man. We think we're the only one interested in this. L look at this. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. Hey, here's what I picked up in my study here, and I'll show it to you quickly. There are four major applications from this word or these words that comfort me. The staff that the shepherd has, you've seen it in pictures, have you? Yeah. The staff that the shepherd has affords four use, uses. Number one, to fight off the animal. Say amen. In other words, animals like leopards and bears and hyenas and Wolves, David knew about the use of the staff. Did I, did I get an amen? David knew about the use of the slingshot. He knew about the use of the, uh, of the club or the rod because you remember when he was a shepherd. David was a shepherd before he wrote this psalm. So he knows what he's talking about. You remember when he killed a lion and a bear because he used the, the, the instruments to fight off the wild animals. Here's this. Here's another reason for the, for the staff. To pull back runaway sheep. Amen? 
You take the crook of the staff when a sheep that was prone to run away or get near the edge, you just pull them back in. That's what the good shepherd does for us. Amen? I'm not doing near a good job protecting myself as a good shepherd is. Let me, let me show you something else. He uses the staff to examine the sheep. Give me an amen. When the sheep comes in and they start going into the stall or corral, he'll take his staff and run it through the, 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 the fleece of the sheep to make sure there are no rashes or, or any kind of defects. And the Lord will do that to us. Here's another thought. He uses the staff to count the sheep. He uses the staff for, for making sure that nobody's left out. Sometimes in the middle of the day, the shepherd would look up in the sky because he didn't know where every sheep was, and if there are vultures flying up there, he's got to go find a sheep that's cast. And I say that to you, that he's looking around us and above us. Here's my second closing. I'll have three more. The Word of God is your staff. Yeah, the, the Word of God. You don't have to have a crooked pole. The Word of God, is it'll ward off hell and demons and darkness. You don't even have to read it. Just put it next to your heart. It'll come right through. Your Word of God is your staff. When I was a boy in Trinidad, they, uh, they, burglary was common in the island. And sometimes it would be a church. The parsonage was directly behind the church. And sometimes it would be a church. And while church was going on, whoever the burglar was knew that we would be there a while. And he'd go steal stuff. By the way, the burglar was discovered. He's one of the members' sons. I don't even know if he got saved. But we, got, we, didn't, we didn't have any guns and we didn't want any guns. My dad would take the Bible and put it at the front door and open it to Psalm 91. They'll every night, there's one there. Even now, my dad is 90 years old. I saw him about three weeks ago. When you go into his front door, there is a Bible on the, on the floor near the door, Psalm 91. Rod and staff. Let, let, let me show you this. Uh, the Bible says the staff is used, which is the word of God, to search our heart. And I close with this. Got number three. He exalts me. He exalts me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus prepared a table for his disciples prior to his arrest. Can I get an amen? The enemies were outside, the Jews and the Romans, and, and there were those around the table, 12 of them. An enemy by the name of Judas was at that table. But even though Jesus knew the enemy was around, he prepared a table, a place of comfort, a place of plenty, a place of hope, and a place of rest. You and I are living on hell on earth, but I want to tell you, God will prepare a table for you. I don't care who your enemy is. Stand with me, would you please? Amen. He says, you know what, my head with oil. Sheep occasionally had to be anointed with oil and dipped in some sort of insecticide. Because the oil was important because sheep butt heads with one another and could do serious damage to one another for whatever reason they are in a fight. 
But when the shepherd anoints the head with oil, all the sheep, and they come to butt each other's head, it just slips right off. Can I get another amen? Now, if I don't get amens, I'll preach for another hour. If, if I'll take a little oil and symbolically anoint my head every once in a while. And the enemy, you see, this is the biggest target for the enemy. Not here. This, this is the biggest. And so when he comes and he sees the blood, the blood, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Amen. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Oh, I'm headed in some goodness and mercies. I'm living already. Goodness and mercies to chase you down. So you ought to stop every once in a while and let them catch up. Goodness and mercies. We had a sister in the church. This is the last closing. Is that Dale? Number five. Marlene, three months ago, two months ago, mother of two, maybe early 50s, worked in a rehab facility the elderly, perhaps, more, more the elderly, not perhaps, but it is so. She contracted COVID-19, and she uh, found out there was another nurse there from who she got it. The nurse didn't intend to give it to anybody. She just came to work. Marlene is a healthy girl prior to that. She's an Indian like I. She's from Trinidad like I. We thought she'd just kind of get the cold, the sniffles, and the week be gone. They put her into the hospital in a regular room. She began to deteriorate so until in another week they put her in ICU. And in another week they put her on the ventilator and nobody could see her because you know what I'm talking about, right? Nobody can see her. Nobody can talk to her. Her husband is uh, so distraught. Their two children is, is so distraught because of their mommy. They can't see their mommy, etc. We are distraught because we can't go visit her. It's called uh, Piedmont Fayette Hospital in Fayetteville, Georgia. And, and so Marlene, they put her on a ventilator. And the doctor says, the husband would talk to the doctor every day, that this is a 50-50 chance. Her oxygen level dropped drastically. Her eyes rolled, etc. And, and the church decided we can't go in the hospital. And you all probably did this too. So keep doing it. We can't go in the hospital, but we'll go outside the hospital. And of our 75 of us, we parked in that parking lot. That hot Saturday. Hot Saturday. The devil knew we were coming. He made it hotter. We stretched our hands over there. We prayed for Marlene. We prayed for the whole hospital. We prayed for everybody. What may seem foolish to the world can be the wisdom of God. Amen. I'd like to tell you she got home in about five days. That gal is doing super. She's praising God and eventually back to work because the Lord anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. I know I have you bow your heads. I'm just have you look at me. See, Pastor Allen, I just need Psalm 23 to be reading my life in one way or the other. Heard a bunch of stuff today, but there's, I, I'm going through the valley. I need the Lord to help me. I need my head anointed. I, I, I need Pastor Allen. I need for him to lead me in the path of righteousness or somebody. I, I, I need for, uh, I, I, just, I just need the Lord to be my shepherd. I got some issues I can't take care of myself, but he will today. Today. How many believe he will today? You're not wasting your time. You may not feel anything I said. It ain't about your feeling. It's about your believing. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm in that crowd. I'm raising my hands because that's true about me. Somebody I know or myself. Well, here's what I want you to do. Now you can close your eyes and lift up both of your hands to the Lord. That's a posture of surrender. Lift up both of your hands to the Lord. 
And I'm going to pray over you, and you pray however you want to pray. You pray over you. I don't know exactly what you want. I have a general idea because we're all human and we're all in the same kind of frame of mind. But you pray over you. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I just pray you take your word and take our faith and put it together. God, somebody needs to, to live and not die. Come on, help me here. Somebody needs to breathe and not be stagnated. Somebody needs to have their cup overflow. And somebody needs goodness and mercies. Come on, you're doing it. We need goodness and mercies instead of hate and anger and separation and fussing and fighting. We need, oh God, the good shepherd to lay us down in green pastures. We, we need you, oh God, to today, even now, even in this moment, Jesus, to look in places in our lives that we can't fix. To go in our lives where we can't go. We need you today. Forgive us, oh God. We need you today, Heavenly Father, to get us through this season of virus. May the virus die. Somebody say that in amen. May the virus die today. May it die in all 50 states. May it die in every continent in the world. May it die, oh God, whether red, yellow, black, white, brown. We raise our hands and we pray over the emergency room. We pray over the intensive care. We pray over the front line. We pray, oh God, over every doctor and nurse. It must go. It must go because Jesus is our healer and our shepherd. I praise you for it. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you.